Welcome to the Paul Jacoby Podcast with your host, Paul Jacoby. Welcome to the Paul Jacoby Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Jacoby. Today, I have here with me a former model, former Playboy director, top of the line stud drummer, fellow comedian, Samuel Orison. How you doing, bud? Good. All those things are true. <laughs> Uh, dude, so you were just showing me a little thing on Instagram. What, what were you What were you climbing through there, bud? I'm having this problem. Well, I've looked this up. So my is it is it the old IG bodybuilder? It's it's, it's bodybuilders, people who are so big that it makes me want to look like them. And then these women, it's just the most extremes of the human physique all in one place. I tried to reset it. I'm trying to like tone back the amount of spread I am seeing on my timeline. I'm trying to tone back what I'm looking at uh, on Reddit. I'm trying to tone back all these things that are kind of poisoning my mind. I still want to use Instagram, but I don't know if I can anymore. (laughs) I tried to reset it. I looked at all these things to do to reset it, and it just keeps coming back to just like... That's all I get, too. If it makes you feel any better, that is all I get. That's That's a... Wait, is that um? It's Chris Bumstead. Oh, Chris Bumstead. See, Bums, what's going on, bud? He is like one of my. I'm so fascinated by. Oh, dude, I did bodybuilding. You know, I did a a a sketch or like a little spoof on my YouTube thing about uh, more plates, more dates. What's that guy's name? Uh, Derek moreplatesmoredates.com. Dude, so uh. Uh, just just briefly, uh, I, I, I do want to comment on how unique your your comedy is and how much I do appreciate that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's so your, your grimace thing gets me every time. If Don't you, spoil it for him. Yeah, it gets me every time. But uh, a few things I did want to go over with you. Have, have you seen here recently the, the Tim Dillon rant that went on? He went on on Joe Rogan. When you say Tim Dillon ran, that's like... It could be a lot of things. It could be anything, so I don't know what you're referring to. He was recently on Joe Rogan. Uh, did you see that episode? Uh, I did. I saw clips of it. <laughs> yeah. I rarely watch a full Joe Rogan episode. I usually am just in it for the, the clips. What do you think about Tim Dillon? Let's just get to that. And- uh, he's a very interesting character. I really like... That's the gist. I really like mm-hmm. Tim Dillon. There are few people who do sarcasm so well and absurdity so well. He kind of falls into like, he's that doomsday kind of guy. <laughs> Everything's going down all the time. Yes. The world's ending. But he does it in such a funny, ridiculous way that I'm just I, I'm, fa- I'm like absolutely fascinated by it. It's, it's one of my, he's one of my favorite podcasters right now. You know, I can't say I always agree with everything he's saying, but I have, there's been times later on when I've been watching his podcast where I thought I was going to die because I could not, <laughs> I could not catch my breath from laughing so hard. Yes. And it's yes. so funny the way he's talking. You think he's serious and then he changes something at like, oh, it's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. I love to. <laughs> he, I, if, if I'm going to give my personal opinion about him. I, I love him. I think he's hilarious. But, uh, Tim, if you're watching this, you scared the living fuck out of me, dude. 
I feel like he's the type of guy where you see him and you you just it's almost like you don't know what to expect. It's like you're you're near a ticking time bomb and he is ready to explode like on some shit, dude. Which is honestly entertaining to say the least. What's very entertaining, he kind of is like I know he gets thrown in this bubble a lot, but like that Alex Jones style of entertainment that just ranting about conspiracy theories, things that may not even be true. The difference between him and Alex Jones is they're both extremely entertaining, but Tim Dillon is so like more self-aware of what he is doing. I'm not saying like Alex Jones is not, he might be, but like Tim is like almost a satirical version of Alex Jones, but I still think that he believes in what he, even though I, he's joking, I, but like I he honestly, still believes. I honestly wanted to bring that up because I, I feel like Alex's, Alex Jones's biggest problem was that he was never a comedian. So he could not use the, the satire, you know, because like that dude is entertaining and hilarious, but he's out of his goddamn mind. You know what I mean? Like uh, same could be said about Tim, though. Entertaining, hilarious, out of his mind at times. Yeah. But who cares <laughs> if he's out of his mind or not? Yeah, it's fun, dude. It's yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, literally, I, I really do enjoy his comedy, too. And a lot of people, you know, I see podcasts all the time. And uh, I, I honestly, if I, if I like you as a stand-up, I'm going to like you even more as a podcaster just because it's like my heart goes out to you just as a fellow comic. Do you ever get that? Um, sometimes. Like, there are comedians who I really like their stand-up and on podcasts I find them extremely boring and then vice versa as well yes. where there's comedians who um, I love their podcast but their stand-up I'm just like can't really get into it which I think is just two different skill sets two different avenues very true very and true I think there's something I like about when people are good at what they do if you're a good stand-up if you're a good actor whatever it is there's something nice about the mystery behind the person and then sometimes with podcasting you are giving way too much up of yourself and it humanizes you too much and i don't like that i like True. there to be some That's... sort of mystery behind some of these people that's why i like people like <laughs> it's more common with actors like Walking Phoenix, what's that dude like? <laughs> That's a very good question because wasn't he raised in like a? Uh, uh, I don't know where he yeah. was raised. I don't know anything about him. That's why he's cool. That's why it's cool to see him in Signs. That's why it's cool to see him in The Joker. That's why it's cool to see him in whatever. Because I you love see how it, you bring up Signs. Signs is one of my favorite movies of all time. Signs is the best movie, in my opinion. I watch it. There's that scene in there with Mel Gibson and Walking Phoenix where they're talking about God right before the aliens about to come in and it is like that is one of the best scenes of all time it's, that is a great movie i i have to admit it was it was it was overhyped then underplayed i feel like people, over, it was overhyped that that was movie i remember i love m night Shyamalan. what is it m night Shyamalan. 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 m night Shyamalan. i love that guy <laughs> he did the village too signs though signs is like I love aliens. I love alien movies. I love M. Night Shyamalan. I love uh, 
What else in that? That movie's actually super funny, too. Dude, I liked it. The little kids are nice, too. Little kids are nice. What well, does not hold up? And I think this is a problem with the, when I go back and read, because I've watched Signs maybe every other month. It's like the, I watch you, it six, seven wait, times a year. You watch it six or seven I love times. Signs. <laughs> um, but what does not hold up, like when I was first watched the alien at the end, the scene where he's about to inject his arm gas into oh, yeah. uh, one of the Culkin brothers, I believe. Rory Culkin. Is that who it was? Uh, that's a good question. One of the Culkin brothers is about to get a... Um, is asthma really taking to the next level with this gas? <laughs> and I remember that alien being so realistic and really spooky. And then you watch it back now, and it looks like something out of like an N64 game or something like that. So some of these things like, don't hold up. Yeah, yeah, very true. Back. But there is that one scene that is so good. It's when uh, Joaquin Wait. Phoenix is in the closet. With the is the bat? Are we talking about the bat? This is before the bat. This is when he is in the closet. He's watching the news in the closet because he doesn't want the kids to see all this stuff that's going on. And there's a scene where the news shows this birthday clip from this birthday party in Brazil. You know what I'm talking about? And they're like, this is the first time we've seen one of these aliens. That, that... I, I slightly, I, I haven't watched this movie in oh, over 15 years. It's so good. <laughs> and then he's like, he's trying to watch it. And he's like, get out of the way, Fomino's children. He's trying to get the kids out of the way so he can see the screen. And then the alien walks by. And it's so good. It's so spooky. Oh, and was that the one where he like walks by in the background? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember kind that. Kind of part. like a Bigfoot style. Yes. Um, looking back on that. Um, but yeah, I like the way they depict. I'm very uh, interested in the way that certain movies will depict aliens and like how they think they're going to be. I like, I think it's a common theme to see the skinny style of alien this tall skinny alien i like to say that because i think i'm a tall skinny guy and i like to think that's the peak form of what we're supposed to take <laughs> so you are the pink the the peak form is what i would like saying. to think that because if you think about it because they're skinny they're skinny and they're lean but aren't aliens supposed to be only like they have a big head and they're four foot tall i thought the ones in the signs were probably around six foot they were pretty they're six foot you always have rem remind me of an avatar Esque type body, like a, a me character, like Avatar, the Blue Men. The Blue Men, long, nimble. Yes, so yeah, they're long and they're nimble too. They're not as I'm trying to be a really muscular dude, but I think as humans evolve, I'm thick, dude. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm just a big guy. Yeah, yeah, average height, thick boy. But there's going to be no real need for strength. There, there is none. I. I dude, I do reps. It's just genetics. Yeah, it's just yeah. for looks and feeling good and all that kind of. Mm -hmm. But like, the more we progress, the less we need strength, the less we need hair. It's all that kind of stuff that we just don't really need. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think when we see these aliens in the future, it's like they're these tall, skinny, hairless beings, because that's that's what we're going towards. And that's a good point. You know, that's a fair point. I feel like Tim Dillon would really vibe with that. Uh, that he he would be down on that plane. Have you ever heard the theory that aliens are fu humans in the future? No. So, so what happens is when you well here's the theory. I don't know what happens, <laughs> but the theory is once you leave the planet, that time and gravity make everything weird. So it's almost like they've gone out to the future and they're like 
humans of you know millions of years yes. of evolution so that could be the case because you know that's why they have the large brains and small limbs because they don't need the muscles anymore that would make sense i'm my thing is i'm a big believer in the anunnaki guy you know who they are anunnaki dude uh so you watch ancient aliens is what you're telling me i don't watch ancient aliens i don't even know what that is to be honest that's some hgtv show you got it it's a i think it's on history channel Channel. but it's it's actually really good it's it started out as a book and it gave all the uh uh it, it pretty much goes over like all the you know things that are just extraordinary like uh the pyramids and stuff like that and instead of giving like theories they ask questions like you know how do these you know these rocks that are five thousand tons get here you know like it would be it would be more likely for aliens to put them there than for people to roll them on on you know wooden wooden logs or whatever Yes, aliens are more likely than the wooden log theory, according to Paul. <laughs> according to ancient aliens. Dude, that's a big thing. you got to check it out. But you yeah. love it. The Anunnaki, that's a big thing. That's if I were to choose. That's what I believe in, how we got here. You can believe in whatever you want. Is it? Do I really think it's true? I don't know. I think it's, in my mind, it's the most likely scenario for how we got here. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you don't know, the Anunnaki, they are this kind of a, they're an alien race. They're from this planet called Nibiru. And they created man in their image. They basically recreated us so we could harvest gold for them so it could replenish their atmosphere because the atmosphere on their planet is dying. And so they needed gold to, because the chemical compound in gold can help restore the atmosphere yeah. from what I'm told. If that's true, I don't know. Could be, could be not. But It's a really wise thing to use, though, because that's what we treasure, right? So, so they came yeah. down here, and they're like, okay, we need a bunch of these little humanoid slaves to harvest this gold for us so we can use it to repair our atmosphere. So they made a bunch of tiny versions of us, and they said, okay, you guys can, like, reproduce so you can keep harvesting this gold. Because why else would we want gold? What's so great about this gold thing? I mean, I can think of a few other reasons why, but... <laughs> uh, because that was something that confused me a lot growing up too is like these these obsessions with these rare minerals that seemed to have no real value other than being rare well you, you, but then gold does have this i was actual- about to say now gold's in a lot of telescopes and it's a lot of smartphones so the more that we do evolve in in your defense the more we do evolve the more useful these uh valuable you know metals do become in a sense so i i see where you're going that I see where you're going where where did you catch wind of these theories was it from Tim Dillon uh no I have a few friends that are also uh big thinkers uh if you want to call it that and they my friend introduced me to the Anunnaki when I was about a sophomore in college and I kind of latched onto it I really liked it. it really made sense to me what college did you go to uh University of Washington shout out Huskies Go Huskies. Go dogs. Are you a big Ted Bundy guy? No, I don't know who that is. Don't know who Ted Bundy is. I'm not sure if you're being serious. <laughs> <laughs> the name sounds familiar. Ted Bundy is a famous serial killer that ah, was based in what? <laughs> Zac Efron. A lot of people know him as Zac Efron. That's how I know him. <laughs> he, he did play uh, Ted Bundy. In yes. The, uh, the Ted Bundy, recent. he was the lead in High School Musical. He was, <laughs> uh, what else did he do? He was in Baywatch. Oh, yeah. That was he, a good uh, one. With The Rock? 
He slit many women's throats in the Pacific Northwest. He then did... Florida. He did a few visitations. He did some slashings in Florida. Some seminal women. He did a few uh, biopics, I believe, in Hollywood after that. And then I think he is dead. Uh, yes, that he, he got the electric chair. So, But before that, he dated Selena <laughs> Gomez. <laughs> yeah. I, I like how I like the this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're not going out of frame, by the way. You're Am I getting out of the frame there? So you're you're leaning left. You're good. Go. Um, so let's get there. If you're right there, you're perfect. Sweet. Little podcast adjustments, guys. Pretty natural stuff. You said you were going to do ad reads on this? It's your uh, third episode. You don't have ad, ads you're ad, doing. Yes. We, we have a merch line, guys. We have a merch line out. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because here shortly we are going to launch into the ads. So we got about, I don't know, 12 minutes. 12 minutes till we go to, go to commercial break. Real quick, dude. What do you think, uh, what do you think about this, this Andrew Tate being banned? Have you heard about that? That uh, macho kickboxer dude? Uh, yes, I've heard of this. And if you guys are watching, please subscribe to Hustlers University. I need your <laughs> help right now. Come on, guys. My affiliate links are down. Uh, no, but seriously, I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Very um, controversial. So here's my thing with Andrew Tate. I started seeing him on my timeline probably the same time everyone else did. I found it. Uh, humorous. I found him funny. It's very clear to me as a 30-year-old comedian that he is being a clown. He is joking, and it's for entertainment and shock value. I found it entertaining. That being said, if you are an 8-year-old, you don't have a dad, you don't really have a mom, all you have is a TikTok account, you don't really know, you don't have much direction in your life, and you see this guy, I can see how his ideology may be harmful, and I don't know if it is. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Probably, in my mind, it probably is. Um, should he be banned? Uh, I don't know. So, well, here's my thing. If you own Facebook, and you own Instagram, and you own Google, those are your companies. You can ban whoever you want. If I was, if I ran Instagram, and I was dating some chick, and she left me, she decided to go her own way, I'd block that bitch. I would get her off. To, I'd deplatform her because it's my website. I can do whatever I want. So I, ideologically, I technically have no problem with banning Andrew Tate. I don't think that's an issue. So the the question is, do you, because do you, a lot of people are saying that social media is more of a utility, as in like you can't ban someone from water, electricity, things of that nature. Uh, do you not see social media as like a utility in, well, in current human interaction? Yeah, so that's where, that's where my uh, – this is why I don't know exactly about this because I, I don't have an answer for that one yet. I mm-hmm. don't – so basically if Andrew Tate was thrown in jail for what he said, yeah, that would be a problem. I think we could, most people can agree on that no matter – yeah. But as far as social media being a utility mm-hmm. and like take, deplatforming people off that, it's just like – Cause I know I don't trust anything really, and like having the government come in and tell companies what to do—they do that already with everything else. Mm-hmm. I just—I don't like the idea behind the government being able to tell a company what to do. That being said, just because I don't like the idea, I don't know if it's the right thing to do. If social media is really utility, people survive without social media. You don't need social media. You might need the internet. The internet's a utility. But 
I know people who get along just fine without Facebook. I know people who get along just fine without Twitter. Mm-hmm. As far as those being utilities, I don't know. I don't the, know if they're... The way I look at it, obviously, uh, I, I'm in the same boat with you. Is I, I see him using it almost comically, the, the way he speaks yes. about how what he believes in and, and whatnot. Uh, my only problem that I, I see for coming with, you know, banning these people that have outlandish ideas you know ideas and thoughts and whatnot is that like it's the old you know proverb where it's like you you cut off the head of a snake and three more come up you know what i mean because there's just people waiting and because what he did was he projected these wild ideas you know and now there's what a dozen people behind him trying to project wild ideas to get their time in the in the sun you know what i mean that's that would be my my point to not doing this and people eventually are going to figure out that you know this dude is way too much you know what i mean yeah and i think just i don't i don't know if uh you know obviously when people get deplatformed or canceled they don't really lose steam a lot of the times it makes them like you said it makes them stronger Uh, i think it's more of just like a political move from the companies not wanting these kind of ideas on their platform which is it might, that's why I'm going, kind of going back to it's up to the company's discretion to because yeah. what like it violated community guidelines or something like that which of uh, hate speech which is sure you can watch a lot of Andrew Tate videos and they can be really funny there's also some where he's talking about chopping a bitch's head off it. <laughs> you know so it's like those are I have not seen that video community guidelines there is some that like, is wildly you, if you go down the rabbit hole you will see some like oh like this is uh this is gone and obviously he's you know I, may, I assume obviously he's joking but if you're young and you're seeing this stuff you might not be and it clearly goes against the guidelines that you signed up for mm-hmm. on this platform which the funny thing about Andrew Tate though too is he doesn't have any accounts it's other people posting his content which it's is wild. the tricky thing so it's like he doesn't care he's never been on TikTok so it doesn't really mean he's not really getting deep really I I didn't even know that it's it was just always wild to me that. Like, like I always thought first, it's like, what am I liking that this dude is popping up in my algorithm time after time? Kind of like when you were showing in the Instagram, all, all I see is like models and bodybuilders. But really, it's like it's it's almost like they've tricked the algorithm because everyone I talk to is is seeing all this stuff, too, because I'm like, am I insane that this stuff is just popping up like I get it. I I, I should get all the Joe Rogan stuff, all the podcast stuff. I, I do like that stuff, all the comedy stuff. Uh, but it's like I didn't see where this An- Andrew Tate was just popping up in my feed all the time. Well, you know how he does this. It's a marketing. He's a marketing genius. You know what he does? <laughs> what does he do? So here's how he makes money. Hustlers University. It is a course he sells. You can think of it for all intents and purposes. It's a way of generating money. It's Think of it as a nothing course, but it costs money to do it. And to sign up for his course costs 50 bucks. And part of the course is his affiliate marketing program in which he teaches you, he gives you a link and he says, everybody who signs up for my course through this link, you get X amount of money for it. Mm-hmm. And the best way for you to get people to sign up for your course is to make content of me and just start pushing that out so that's why you see so many different andrew tate accounts it's because these people who signed up for his platform who are trying to 
like a pyramid scheme, hawk it to a bunch of other people to get them to sign up through their profile. Yeah, I've I've not done that deep of dive, but that that is quite intelligent to it, do. It's very very. I don't know if it's the legality of it. I don't think there's. It's anything almost really like he got people to pay themselves to promote him. Yes. So the more content you make of Andrew Tate, the more money you will make. The more money he makes, the more attention he gets. He becomes so big that he's not on a single account. He's spread over thousands and thousands of these accounts. He's almost like a virus. He's like a vi- it's like a virus. It's very interesting to see from a marketing standpoint. It's genius. It is. Uh, I actually, when I, if I ever so decide to release things of my comedy, I am going to do what he did if I can on a smaller scale. Uh, can you be more specific? Um, well, what I would like to do is have 20, 30 different TikTok accounts, comedy-based ones, only uploading my clips. <laughs> so it spreads like crazy. Ideally, there would be a situation where, because why it works so well for him is because people are incentivized through money. And these could be, you know, scam posts I'm seeing. But I've yeah. heard of people in Hustlers University making five, ten grand a month from these affiliate links because they're cranking out 40 pieces of content a day, spreading them out over their 30 Andrew Tate accounts. Yeah. Um, whether that's true or not could be a complete lie, I don't know, but um, the logic and the schematics of how the Andrew Tate virus Just has spread is very, very up. interesting. It's, yeah. And it's, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that he's an extremely intelligent person because, you know, it might be very manipulative, he might be a little bit psychotic. He might be a nice guy. He might be completely different than his persona. He's definitely... Could be a psychopath. He's definitely a clown. And I don't mean that, like... I use the term clown as in, like, a... He's inter- a jokester. Entertainer, yeah, a performer. Jokester. Alex Jones, he's a clown. Andrew Tate, he's a clown. Um, I'm a clown. I like to think of myself <laughs> as a clown. You know, we're all clowns here. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. Um... Very interesting from a marketing standpoint what he was able to do. And we'll see. I'm curious to see what happens now that he's gone. Um, how he responds to that and how he's able to get, get back on. Is it all right, guys? We're going to have to we're, we're going to have to break to commercial. We'll be back here soon. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Welcome to Paul Jacoby podcast merch store. As you can see, we got all the goodies. Here's a hoodie. With a little logo on front and on back. That's crazy. We got that. We got coffee mugs. We got t-shirts. We got tanks. We got it all, baby. Now back to you in the podcast. Kaboom. All right, guys, and we are back. Sam, how you doing, man? Doing good. Is that an okay break for you? Uh, you literally sat here for 30 seconds and did nothing. It was so, pretty yeah. cool merch, though, right? Yeah, the merch is good. You're gonna want to get that T-shirt. You're gonna want to get that. Uh, you're gonna want to get that tote bag. You're gonna want to get that license plate frame. You're gonna want to definitely buy those spark plugs that he's selling. You're gonna want to get that catalytic converter, that branded Absolutely. Paul Jacoby catback exhaust. There it is. There it is, baby. You heard it from from the man himself. All right, guys. Can the neighbors hear me? I have no idea. Honestly, it's a very quiet place. I've never heard them. A Quiet Place. That movie sucked. That was a bomb. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. I won't talk crap about anybody, but something about Jim Halpert makes me. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> I did have one. I said it's a pretty quiet place. Isn't it? 
carpet. Uh, so real quick, I did, I did want to go over this with you because we were speaking about Tim Dillon earlier and getting kind of conspiracy theories. One cool conspiracy theory I did hear recently was uh, that the co-founder of Netflix, his great uncle was the founder of Propaganda. I heard that that recently. The founder of Propaganda? What does that even mean? Here, I'm going to look up the name to be specific. Propaganda uh, is just a word that describes... You can't invent propaganda. Founder what do you mean the founder of Propaganda? Well, let's look it up, dude. Propaganda. Is it Joseph Goebbels? I think it's... That's a history. That's a history reference. You guys should know that one. He was the uh, <laughs> the administrator of propaganda for the Nazi Party. Edward, or maybe this is the guy. Yeah, this is the guy, uh, Edward Barnes. Okay, I need to see this. Let me look at that mustache, to, dude. Let me read you, this. You'll put this up on the screen so they can read it. Want me to? Yeah. I'll okay. Pop it up. German, Edward Louis Bernays. I hope you're not going to make me read something completely inappropriate. Great uncle, okay. German, November 22nd, 1891. Wow, long time ago. Uh, March 9th, 1995. Okay. He was an American theorist, considered a pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda, and referred to in his obituary as the father of public relations. Bernays was named one of the 100 most influential... Everyone fucking uh, hates him, PR. The 100 most influential Americans of the 21st century, blah, 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 blah. So he, this is the uh, great uncle to so great the uncle Netflix guy. to Mark Randolph. I saw this earlier. You go here. That's the Netflix guy. Okay. Isn't that kind of weird? Because it's like the most, the most watched thing now is from like the lineage of the father of PR, the father of propaganda. I thought that was kind of wild, right? That could be pretty wild. At the same time, my great uncle, he was one of the best doctors in southern Utah. And I don't know fucking shit about <laughs> how the heart works. So who knows? Oh, like, he's a cardiologist? Uh, he was a general practitioner, I believe. He was very good at what he did. Mark Randolph, propaganda. What are you, are you concerned that Netflix is pushing their propaganda Did with their possibly. Uh, with their cuties? Well, that's the weird thing, because they have no ads. At least the the subscription I have. It doesn't have to be ads. It can, it can be if... Oh, subliminal messages. Dude. It can be subliminal messaging. What's a popular show on Netflix right now? It's... Uh, oh, there's... A, I don't watch Netflix really anymore, so... You're a podcast guy. I'm a podcast guy. I like podcasts. I like TikTok. I... Have you seen the Andrew Schultz new special? No, I never watched anything Andrew Schultz has done. And here's why. Here's what I'll say about <laughs> Andrew Schultz. Uh, so here's the deal. I grew up in, uh, when I was in elementary school, I went lived in this town in northern Utah called Sandy, Utah. I lived there from about K through fourth grade. I had this friend. His name was Taylor Morgan. He had this cat. The cat smelled like cigarettes. The cat was named Smokey. Every time I would go over to his house to play Grand Theft Auto, this cat would come up and it would smell like cigarettes. And he kind of looked like Andrew Schultz. Not the cat, but my friend, Taylor Morgan. And then even weirder was his older brother looked just like Andrew Schultz. And I, he scared me for so some reason. So both of them look like Andrew Schultz. Yeah, was, Andrew Schultz scares me, even though he's a skinny, frail, frail-looking guy. Uh, he's up to something. You can yeah. tell he's up to something. He's like, uh, he reminds you a little bit of Randall from Monsters, Inc. Um, he's kind That's of got... Uh, no, no shade. I like him. He's a good-looking guy. But Very smart. 
but every time I look at him, I just think of this cat that smells like cigarettes. I think of my friend Taylor Morgan's older brother. I don't even remember his name. And then I just think, this guy, Andrew Schultz, I don't know what he's talking about, but he probably has a cat that smells like cigarettes. And I can't stop thinking about that. And I have two cats. One of them has asthma. So the fact that one of them, someone would be smoking around one of my cats drives me insane. So I just picture Andrew Schultz chain smoking cigarettes inside while my cat is hacking away because of his asthma. And that's why I can't really watch anything he's done. I haven't really seen anything he's done. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more about the cats and the smoking. So (laughs) one thing uh, I was going to mention was his new special. He... He uh, pulled like a Louis C.K. where where he sold it by himself. I I purchased it just because, you know, he's he's loud and outlandish, and he does like he's he's known for his crowd work, but uh, which is totally not my style of of comedy. But um, I just just someone that goes independent makes pretty much all of his money uh, through just trying to gain po- off his podcast and social media. And someone that pushes his work, I can respect it. I watched his special, not my style. Uh, I think he's very smart, very cunning. Again, um, I know a lot of people love that special. Not for me though. So where do you watch it now? He pulled it because I heard that I heard this drama. He pulled it from Netflix because there was a couple jokes in there. I could have this wrong, so don't quote me on this. I think it was Amazon. I, it's I'm on my, Amazon now. Or he pulled it from Amazon. Or I thought he pulled it from Amazon. Yeah. I don't know. So where did you buy it from? His website or something? Uh, you. He had a link in his website to some funky new... Like Patreon-style shit or something? It's, it's something you've never heard of. I can tell you that much. Like, some... The the people that do it, it's it's like some weird thing. I could look it up. Honestly, it's on my Gmail. Probably some member of the Deep State started this Patreon-like website to get all these... Father propaganda! Probably started by Mark Randolph. Uh, but that's, that's the crazy thing, though. Because what I've... What I've realized, it's Moment House. It's called Moment House. Moment House? Yeah. So what does it cost? Five bucks to watch a special? It was $15. $15 for a special? Jesus Christ, Andrew Schultz. One thing I can say. Was it well produced? Was it like a... It was very well produced. Um, I I feel like he is one of the best stage presences that you'll ever see. He's so comfortable on stage. Um, I do feel like he, he relies too much on crowd work, which is totally fine. It's just not my style. In a special, he does the crowd because He does crowd work like 50% of his special. Oh, that's interesting. That, yeah. I, that I saw. I did not watch the whole thing. Uh, not for me. Um, I did think his crowd work was funny, but uh, in my head, just as a comedian, and it is, obviously this dude is way above my level, 100% way above me. But uh, it's just not my style. Yeah, what was the crowd work? It just points to some guy in the audience. Where are you from? Uh, Brown guy? Where are you from, Asian guy? That's kind of how it's... I bet, you, I bet you have an Asian-looking dick. I bet you have a brown-looking dick. Oh, yeah, that's where I see the crowd work. Uh, that's where I imagine it. Not far off. I think the first question he asked was, uh, he was like, something about like a Mexican girl and like... You, she better be taking birth control or something. And I was like, eh, this is not for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, but... I can see that. Yeah, some <laughs> of that stuff is just like, I don't know. It's Because um, there's like a certain audience. Here's an interesting thing. I got two things to say. I'm going to go on this tangent real quick. I, I would love for About, you to. So here's a lot of people look at comedians now, and I'll see this on their Instagram, on their TikTok, and they're like, oh, I like this comedian, but he only does crowd work. And the thing is, they don't just do crowd work. They're just posting 
crowd work through their social media channels yeah. because they don't want to give up their jokes. Like people who aren't doing comedy think that we come up with these jokes. So will it, a joke takes a long time to get right. And yeah. once you put it out there, why would somebody come to your show? So that, the nice thing about people posting crowd work is it's something that lived in that moment. It's dead. You can't really repeat it. So it's a good thing to post. If you're posting your jokes every single time, that you're gonna you're gonna give away your secret sauce too see, early. So uh, see, I would like to argue the other side to it because most of the people that, um, in my opinion, as a new comic, you know, uh, I I post like all my jokes um, because uh, I'm not sure if you see him. Uh, I think his name is like Gene Marco. Maybe if I he's look, like a Jewish a Jewish skinny guy. Uh, you would think he's gay, but he's not. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's I mean, that's the worst saw, description I've ever given. Up. But if you if you've seen him, you would know. Is he a local but, uh, guy or is he? A, uh, he's a New York guy. Okay. Yeah, he's, you know, we're LA dudes, but no big deal. Um, but he always, he's mentioned before where he's like he's like hey if you if you watch my like TikTok or you know YouTube or whatever you've seen all my jokes but just come to the show anyways. But it, it's different because like. When I do post a joke, I'll have like two or three new tags to it the next time I work it. So you might know the the meat of it, but all the potatoes are going to be different. The way I transition to another joke is going to be totally different. And like I'm going to wheel it in and out where you're like, oh, I remember that joke. So you're ready to laugh, too. So, so you're ready to laugh. Just two different sides to the uh, that. I, I go if you – you guys obviously haven't seen my You're comedy. I like the twist. Most unique comedy. I th I th so if you know my twists are coming, it's because there's a big part of comedy that's just like the unexpected is sometimes what makes things yeah. funny. So if you're expecting it, I think that takes a lot away. That being said, I've had people come up to me and there are certain jokes that they really like. And when I start to do them, they're excited to hear it because they want to see how other people in the audience are going to react hearing it for the first time. Did that person that asked you look like Grimace? No one's going to get that joke. <laughs> Dude, our friends will get that joke, though. <laughs> they might get that joke. Yeah, they'll probably. That's going to be most of the viewers for, for yeah. the time being. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so big on the twists and the turns and the unexpected stuff. You, you are very good at, uh, like, a lot of your jokes I will not see coming. Misdirecting. Uh, very good at misdirection. That I would say that's your strongest point in your act because it's like, dude, you you've gone on where you've started with one thing. And I thought the joke died and you just totally moved away from it and like you you just weren't doing the joke at open mics. Then out of nowhere, like out of nowhere, you you come with a punchline like way off and it's not even it's in a different joke is the punchline for a yeah. different joke and I'm just like, holy shit, I that was great. So yeah. That's yeah. So for me, the surprise factor and the twisting is so in, it's so important that I like to hide it. I think one, one thing here's going back to what we were talking about earlier about not really having an online presence. Yeah. I wish I lived in a world where I could do that and not have any social media or anything like that mm -hmm. and just have to – because a lot of the times when I get up on stage, people don't know what to expect from me, and it's definitely different than you would expect. You see, like a. What's your thoughts of yourself when you get on stage? What do you think people are thinking? I think they're thinking, oh, here's another tall white guy. He's going to give us his opinion on dating apps in the trans community. Oh my God, <laughs> this is going to be so awesome. I can't wait to hear 
what this guy has to say about cancel culture. And so that's what they're expecting, I think. They're expecting just like this kind of like, I don't know. But the, it, I don't look like the type of comedian I am. And I think that adds a lot to the experience and the funniness of the act because it's just completely like the jokes will take you for a twist. You don't know what's coming, but also the guy who's doing the comedy is, does not look like the kind of person who would be doing this kind of humor, which I think makes it more unique and more funny. Cause I think people are rooting against people like, I'm not saying Us. that like, like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a white guy. People don't like me, but people, it's not really, it's not the most popular thing. Right I'll say now. this. When I see somebody get on stage, that looks like me. I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, I, I could see where you're going with that. And it's like, uh, uh, I mean, someone's made a really good point to me before in, in speaking, uh, but like you are the the quintessential like thing that people are against. You're tall, you're good looking, and you're white. So it's like you got those three things. But dude, your style is so. But are they really against that? Yeah. Come on, like this. I, I was gonna <laughs> say I don't think they're against that. I think there's just I I don't even think anyone's like really against like that in particular but the uh, the thought behind it, it's like it's almost like they think that you're against them or something if that makes any sense um i don't i don't know what it is it's a lot of this stuff to be honest i see it a lot on social media i see it a lot on the internet i don't experience it a lot in real life mm -hmm. like this whole woke culture this whole cancel culture thing i don't see that in real life everybody i know it's weird because every yeah because on the le on the extreme woke side on the extreme right i come from utah so i have a lot of family members who are like very you know conservative i have most yeah. of my friends are extremely liberal i grew up in utah the most one of the most conservative places in the world and then went to school in seattle for 10 years one of the most liberal places in the world I go home to Utah, everybody thinks I'm like this crazy liberal freak. I go to Seattle, people think I'm like some alt-right psychopath. Yeah, I get the same thing. Um, yeah. But I like, all, this big dynamic you see of this, I just don't see in real life. Most of my friends are very liberal people. Hmm. And I, I would say I kind of, you know, I, I play this character a little bit where I kind of make a, a fool of myself as like this kind of conservative dude and I kind of poke fun at it in that way. but. Uh, I think most people realize that, you know, I'm more of a liberal dude, but yeah. this whole side of like, people are way more reasonable than you think, than like the internet leads you to believe. I, I feel like just as, as a comedian, uh, every time I step on stage, uh, I'm stepping in front of strangers that do not know me. Obviously yeah. in some open mics, you, you know, everyone there, but uh, just like any stage I've ever stepped on, I'm stepping on and nobody knows me and it's like almost like i have to step on i gotta prove that i'm a i'm a okay dude you know and, and that's let, let me be clear with this that's every single comedian you know doesn't matter color or gender or whatever you know like everyone when you step on stage it's like no one knows you and people are like oh i'm really funny i could be a comedian and i'm like you like you can make your friends laugh like I've had a lot of friends that will get me in tears every time I'm around them but it's so different when you're in front of people that just don't know who the, you are you know what I mean thanks for censoring yourself Paul I appreciate
appreciate that. <laughs> Did I swear on this podcast, by the way? I think I've been swearing. I don't really know. Fuck yeah. Um, yes, that's a good point, though. I think a big thing about comedy, which I realized after starting it, it's basically an exercise in how quick can I get this room full of people to like me. It's not really even about being funny. It's about people liking you, which is, you know, I think a lot of comedians, you know, like myself included, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I have this deep desire to be liked. I'm a very big people pleaser. So I get something from having people like me. And I think 100%. Yeah. So having stand up, and so white comedy is like, it's just an exercise of getting people to like you. And in my experience, if people laugh at you and you make people laugh, they like you. So that's why a lot of stand-up comedians try and make you laugh because that's the quickest way to make somebody like you, in my opinion. Um, 100%. You can also do what some of these other comics do where they just go and they just say things that are... Shock comedy. Yeah, or uh, the opposite, which is extremely agreeable to get people to like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like... It doesn't matter how funny you are. If people don't like you, they're not going to enjoy it. You can get up there and be a hack and bomb, but if people like you, you're going to – it's uh, – you, you know, gotta, I'm, you I'm not super far. on your side for yeah. sure. You don't want to lose the crowd. Um, one thing I was going to uh, bring up, have, have you seen any of Brendan Shop's material? As very, very highly debated, and he's a hot topic right now. I, I – uh, excuse me. I watched all Brendan Schaub's stuff. Here's the thing with Brendan Schaub. I don't know one comedian who is buffer than Brendan Schaub, right? He's a big dude. I'm going to outbench Brendan Schaub. That is my, th- that's like what is I'm Is that a do. challenge I am? I'm going to outbench, what does he do? Bench, like probably uh, more I know 15? that he played, he played football at Colorado. What does he bench now, you think? I don't know. He's like 6'5", like 250 pounds. Pro- dude, so you think he's in the 500s? Th- think of it this way. I'm... I'm 5'10", 215 pounds, and I can bench right around 315. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing probably, even if he works out anymore, um, if he does work out, I'm going to guess he's going to be under four plates, which is 405. You think he's going to be under four? Yeah. What are you sitting at, Sam? <laughs> I, I can do 275 two times. That's good, dude. I'm almost to 315. I got this hernia surgery the other day, so I'm mm-hmm. recover. Um, but after that, I'm gonna get, go back on my journey to 315. I think I can outbench Brendan Schaub, and I will do so. Um, a question with not only outbench. I, I got a question for you. Say you guys walked into a room full of strangers, no one knew who you were, no one knew who he was, and you both got 15 minutes at a mic. Who do you think would do better? I have my choice picked out, but... Uh, well, here's the thing. I think I'm one of the funniest people ever, so I'm obviously going to say myself, but I'm going to... I think you would blow Brendan Schaub out of the water. Well, here's, also, here's the thing, though. <laughs> like, here's the well, thing. People... Because I get this a lot, especially from newer comedians. They'll go to the store, they'll go to the improv, and they'll be like, oh, I saw these really good, these world-class comedians, and they weren't that good. They bombed. Or something like that. To me, there is something intangible about watching somebody who is a seasoned comedian who has been doing it for years that it's hard to define, but I can see somebody like, I don't know, Cummings or something. I've seen her a couple of times go up and she didn't do too great. Mm -hmm. And then I saw somebody else go up after who was a newer comedian. 
maybe he did a little bit better. And like in terms of laughs, I still left that show thinking to myself, Whitney Cummings is the better comedian. Something about that experience and there's something the confidence yeah. i don't know what it the, is the thing about brendan Schaub is he always performs in front of almost almost like his friends because he's such a famous podcaster wonderful podcaster by the way i i really like his personality i think he's a he's a very macho cool dude but also kind of soft-spoken for for that being like you know fucking mma guy you know heavyweight dude that would just beat the shit out of us <laughs> like like all in all, though, like um, I I know what you mean. Like in terms of laughs, you might get over more overwhelming laughs, but you can tell when someone's polished. I don't think Brendan Schaub is polished like a Whitney Cummings. So that's Whitney Cummings is on a whole nother level. Does that make sense? Brendan Schaub is only he's only going to be performing in front of people he knows. Is my point? Well, maybe I don't know. I've actually never seen him live, so I or can't not say. He knows. They know him. I would, but to answer your question, honestly, I think if you put me and Brendan Schaub at the store I in think, front of two hundred people, I think I think Brendan Schaub would do better. I I don't agree with that. Uh, just me personally. Uh, if if both if all those people didn't know either of you is what I was saying. Yeah. Um, if you guys were strangers to the, to the crowd, like they didn't know who you were, they didn't know who he was. Yeah. Uh, with, I, I with that being said, though, that dude does super fucking good in front of his crowd. You know, I I really think when I watched his special, it was better than what it was proclaimed to be to me personally. I don't know about you, but me personally, I was like I laughed at it. You know, I I did laugh, I did chuckle. You know, like. Obviously, he's not a joke maker. He's a story guy that tries to be goofy. And that's okay, dude. Uh, in front of his crowd, he fucking kills. Well, that's a big thing about comedy. So you just are describing two different things. Doing it in front of a room full of strangers and doing it in front of your crowd is two very different things. I 100%. struggle, and this is why I try and go to as many new places in front of people who haven't seen me mm-hmm. as much as possible because I struggle a lot with when people don't – in front of my crowd and people who know my style of humor, mm-hmm. I can do really well. Almost every like I if if there's 20 people in the audience, they all know me. You're very likable too. There hasn't been an yeah. instance in the past like two months where I've been in a room full of people who know me where I haven't done really well. Yeah. I go in front of new people and it's different because, like I said, you, I get up there, you don't know what to expect. Sometimes my humor is a little bit strange. It's not for everybody. And sometimes it bombs really, really bad. Especially if it's like sometimes I'll go to a do a show. Have you bombed at a show yet? Uh, I think I'm gonna bomb tomorrow. Uh, the show I'm doing tomorrow. It's is that is that Ryan's thing? No, it's something in West uh, on the West. I don't. I can't remember exactly what it is. But I know it's older women. Ooh. So and like when I say older people, like I think I'm very silly. Well, yeah. I'm very silly. So my style of humor doesn't always resonate because if you don't know me you don't you might not know that i'm joking you know that's I, the thing i honestly think you underestimate yourself me personally i hope so oh, that's okay but like uh so, i think so i do the grimace joke in front of like a bunch of 50 year old dudes who you know i'm saying if you're 50 you don't get my style of humor but if, it might just be like too absurd and weird for you to understand and i've also done joke like done shows in front of kids or maybe like the 18 to 21 range bomb so bad uh i've i've noticed well they don't know who the 
who Grimace is. We grew up with Grimace. Yeah, a lot of my they don't yeah. get a lot of my stuff, so I'll try and switch things up in the moment. <laughs> I'll look at the crowd, and if I see, I do. If I can't get a good gauge on the crowd, that's when I'll struggle. Mm -hmm. If I see like, oh, there we got some kids in here, we got some grandmas, we got some of my friends. Like I don't know. You're definitely. What joke's gonna work? You're you're natural. Um, how can I say this? Uh, like performer. Yes. Your performance is always on cue, even at open mics. Uh, me, I struggle with the performance. I feel like my wording is where I, I'm most strong. Um, is this your first thing, performance thing you've done, comedy? Like to a degree. I, I've theater done my, in high school. Did you no, do? I, I've done. I've taken some acting classes, but that's about it. Okay. So yeah, I, I come from a big performing background. It's my first time, like, I mean, I haven't done comedy since, you know, I just started pretty recently, but I come from a, like, I'm a big performance artist. I had this act that I did in Seattle. I still do it uh, every once in a while. I'm still getting stuff worked out on it. It's called Shit Ghost. It's a really cool music art project. That's very performance based. Um, a lot of, you know, playing in bands and stuff like that. Yeah. Very performance based. Always been just like a, uh, always felt like I had to be when I'm out. It's kind of like why I like being alone a lot of the times because when I'm out, it's like I'm on, baby. Like it doesn't matter I, if I'm hanging I, out. With I friends. also think you you have that rare bit in you where you you're able to be loud but not obnoxious. Does that make sense? Not everyone would agree with that, but I appreciate it. I mean, you. I had to follow. I, I remember Violet was there. Shut up, Violet. Running the Badger. Shut up, Violet Jones. <laughs> yeah. Never texting me back. Oh. I always ask to open for the improv. She always leaves me on red. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, she didn't make it to the show. By the way, like her her uh, fiance or her partner got COVID. Got murdered. He got murdered. <laughs> he got COVID. Uh, we can't say COVID. I keep saying it. You keep saying it. You're saying Dude, the we're not like even, three times. We're not even monetized, so it doesn't matter. Not monetized? Uh, I'll tell you right yeah. now. I don't... I'm going to go on some anti-government rant. Just kidding. <laughs> but we'll get there one day. But uh, what was I saying? Um, I don't know. But that was hilarious. Violet didn't show up to the show. That was what you were going off of. Oh, Violet didn't show up to the show. I was saying something before that. Um... Something about the badger. We were talking. Oh, dude, this loud, this, not obnoxious. Yeah, this loud dude. He came in. He just totally didn't even get up on stage. You might know. I what's I, his name? I, I don't know. I don't remember his name, but it was so polarizing. What did he look like? And Violet said the wrong person was on deck. I was actually on deck, so I didn't know that I was going up next. But he came up. He did didn't even go on stage. All he did was he paced right in front of it. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I know this. Yes. And he was like, he must have been like six tall boys deep because he reeked of booze. I know you're talking and, about. And uh, yeah, he came in with two tall boys. Oh, dude. Yeah, he came in Nightmare. with two tall boys. And I know, he, I know exactly just, what you're talking about. It's stressful. Yeah, it was so stressful. I was like, holy shit. Like, like, there was, like there was such a weird energy in the room. Like, it's almost like people felt forced to laugh because this dude's about to shoot up the place. Yes. And uh, when he was finished, she was like, all right, on deck. And she says the same person was on deck as what she did earlier. And I was like, then she's like, up now is Paul Jacoby. And I was just like, 
Like, you got to, like, I was, the whole first minute and a half, I was just like, you got to warn me. Like, I was like. Warn you? What do you mean, warn you? Like, that I'm after this oh. dude. <laughs> like, holy hell. Like, it was that polarizing where it's like, I couldn't even get to my jokes. And, like, you could tell she felt bad. And it's like, really, every time me and Violet have talked, we, we've been cool. Yeah. And, dude, I get ghosted all the time hitting people up to get me on their shows. So I totally get that. <laughs> I don't hit you all to be on my show. I'm waiting for them to. All right, guys. Welcome to Paul Jacoby Podcast Merch Store. As you can see, we got all the goodies. Here's a hoodie with a little logo on front and on back. That's crazy. We got that. We got coffee mugs. We got t-shirts. We got tanks. We got it all, baby. Now back to you in the podcast. Kaboom. Bye-bye. Now we're back, guys. Sorry about that. We had to go. We had to shoot off to commercial break, but we're, we are wrapping up this episode real quick. And uh, we, we're just talking real, uh, just get back on the subject. We were talking about how it is, you know, as a new comic, it is tough to ask people to get on their shows and you, you get that weird feeling and it's, it, it's just kind of a part of the, the game. You know, Tom, oh, top of the line, Tom here, you know, gave me some advice about that. And he's like, dude, we all had to do the bringer shows. We all had to... We all had to do that, you know, the backyard shows or the small shows that you really don't want to do. And we want to get on in at the improv and we want to get in at the store. And it's just, it's tough, but we got to push through. Yeah, and I, I went through the same process, basically the exact same thing as when you're trying to be in a band. It was the same thing. We did shows where there were bringer shows. We had to do all that kind of stuff. It's the same. There's not very much difference between doing that and this. Here's what I like to, for me, why I like doing comedy more than I like doing music, at least in terms of performing. I can do three, four spots a night. Yeah. Doing comedy. And like, that's what I, and doing music, unless you're on tour in a big band, you're doing a sh one, two shows a month, maybe. And it's a bitch hauling your drum set, hauling all that stuff there, promoting it. Oh my God, it's like so not fun. By the end of the show, you're like, fucking, why am I doing this? But uh, comedy is like, and that's what I found out when I started doing comedy. It's like, I am not doing music because I'm, I love music. I'm doing music because I'm good at it and I love performing. Performing is the thing I like to do. So it's like, how can I perform as much as possible? Give me a mic and a stage. Don't even need to give me a mic. I'm loud as fuck. I can just get on stage and start screaming at people. I don't even need a mic. I just need a, a 16 ounce Starbies and like uh, I've been drinking these things. It's a you know what Mio is. Mio's great. There's a Mio energy. There's one you squirt in. It has a bunch of caffeine in there. I am always hopped up on caffeine. I can never sleep. Um, but give me a couple of those. A couple squirts of Mio and a microphone, and I, I'm good to go for about 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> So for me, I, as I got older, I realized I'm not in this, I'm not doing music because I like doing music. I'm doing music because it's a way I can perform. And when I kind of realized that I am trying to perform and that's where my skill set lies and that's where my interest lies, what's the easiest way to do that? Literally comedy, it's so, to me, it's the purest form of art. I've always wanted to do it. Ever since I was a little kid, obviously there's way a lot of reasons why I was doing music at the time. It's scary. You, 
Um, well, you you obviously are a good musician. Yeah, you, you, you know, looking at your social media, you have a following, and you have, you know, following shows that people are intrigued by your performing. And that's why I did music for so long, because for me it was something that was like, well, I'm good at this, yeah. So I'm gonna keep doing this, and like I never really, to be honest, like I like doing music in my own way. I didn't really like performing music and doing all that because there's just way too much shit that I did not enjoy that went along with it that the negative aspects of being a musician in terms of the touring, all the social media stuff, all the traveling, all that outweighed the amount of fun I would have performing. Yeah. And people, you know, there's different people, they'll say they love the performing, it's all, it's worth it living in squalor for... 25 years making shitty music with your dumbass friend. It's all worth it because you get to play 15 minutes opening up for the strokes at the show box. It's not worth it, in my opinion. But uh, that's why I like just doing comedy <laughs> because I, I, you can't stop. I can get it, up every night and you can't stop me. It's what, Nobody's in charge of your, but you. What's your idea of what? what's a good practice for open mics? What do you mean practice? Like... Uh, do you want to do how many open mics a night? How many different places are you going to go? What's your best practice? That something that you would give advice to maybe someone that is, you know, on that verge where, you know, like I sat for two months, like begging to want, want to go to an open mic. I didn't know where to go. I, I looked it up on YouTube. I looked it up on Google. I found some sketchy things, but I didn't really find the places until I talked to someone that's actually in the, the comedy scene. I think you do what most people do. That's kind of what I did too. Yeah. Um, for maybe two years before I started doing comedy, I was looking at open mics. Yeah. Just never did it because it's scary. You don't know what to expect. Um, but my advice, if you want to do open, like it's just one of those things, just do it. You go. And the funny thing is I've, you know, I've been doing comedy for, you know, less than a year. I've been writing bits since I was 20 years old and looking back on them, they're so bad and like, <laughs> like so bad. And like, cause you just don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. Sitting in front at home, pacing around, like doing your bits in front of the mirror, recording them on your own. It's like, I hate to say it, but it's just a fucking waste of time. Get up on stage and get you will learn so much. Yeah. You got to get in front of a crowd. Even if like, I I'm so like, I literally had my five minutes down to a second. Yes. When I first wasted time, Paul. The first time I went on stage, then I went up. Well, I I liked it because it, it got all the nerves out. Like I True. did, I I wasn't going on stage trying to riff in front of people that I did not know. And when I went up, I went up prepared and I went up ready. I just fucking just did. I said exactly what I knew I was going to say. There was no guessing. So that helped me out a lot on my first one. Then I realized after the second one, I go, wow, I need new stuff. I, I need way new stuff. I, I need to get way better at performing on stage and I need to get way more comfortable. You know, like yeah. it's, it's just like so much there. And it's like, I'm still at the point where I, where I need to be. But um, just uh, to wrap up this episode, what, uh, what what's your biggest piece of advice that you would give someone knocking on the door but have not stepped into the the comedy scene here in LA specifically 
you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to try and do it. And you will find out really quickly if it's something that you want to do or not. Like, and you got to, you got to keep this, put this in perspective. Are you willing to do three, four spots a night for 10 years and still have it not work out? Because that's how long it's going to take. You can't be doing like, when I first started doing comedy too, I was like, oh, I'm going to be doing, my goal is to do five mics a week. Within like two weeks, I was like, that is not even close to enough. <laughs> it's not even close enough. And I'm like, now it's to the point where I am, it, I don't even count like how many mics. I'm just doing as many as I can possibly do. Um, I, you have to learn, you have to love it because if you don't like it. 100%. It's it's gonna suck because you're gonna be doing. You'll you'll find out quick if you love it or not. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like for me, I was like, oh, this is my thing now. Like as soon as I got a laugh on stage, and I got that feeling, I was like, oh, this is what I like to do. It was like something so pure and so like, it's like, it's it's almost like when you first rip it, like rip a good joke in front of your friends on the playground. It's like then you feel like you're on cloud nine for the next hour. Uh, it's just something that's in you. It, um, before we close out, what uh, what open mics? If if you're a newcomer, what open mics would you suggest? I'll I'll post links in the description below for you guys. Uh, if you're serious about comedy, I think there's no better place to live than like West Hollywood or the Hollywood area. There's just so many good mics there. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind, they all suck. By the way, <laughs> yeah, that's just open mics. They're hard and they suck. Top, I like top three though. Hollywood comedy is a staple, in my opinion. That's that was my first open mic, and I'm so glad it was. Shout out to the lady that runs it. Uh, how, do you do you know how to say her name? Zhao Yang Summers. Zhao Yang Summers. Shout Thank you Zhao so Yang. much. We really appreciate you. She's a fellow comedian. I've not. I've yet to meet her. Everyone's like, "How have you not met her?" I'm like, "I have no idea." She's fine. Yeah. Is she is she cool. I, I guess I made a joke about her one time, like, and uh, I don't think she got it. That's fine. She, <laughs> she wanted to burn your house down. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was, I'll read the ones that I go to. Hollywood Comedy. The Fourth Wall is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, they have a couple locations: one in North Hollywood, one in uh, one in Hollywood. The cafe. I have not been to the cafe yet. Yeah, is it's it good? Uh, it's good during the day. That's the only time I've gone there, like at noon or something like that. Uh, I really like Comedy Boulevard. It's a new one that just opened up on Melrose. I love Comedy Boulevard. Almost all of these are in West Hollywood or the yeah. Hollywood area. Um, Badger and Jam, that's the one I hosted at. That's a, that's a pretty solid one. That's a staple for us. That's what, that's, it's I mean, too easy, though. That room's too easy. It's too nice. For you, dude. you gotta go to some, you got to go to some there. grungy ones. There's a lot of really... Um, but honestly, the Hollywood comedy, I would say, even though it can be kind of grind, it's kind of a hard room, you don't know what to expect. That's usually that's like the I feel in my like, opinion, the staple. I feel like that's the best, the best place to start off at. And they're just going twenty four seven, basically. Yeah. So, uh, so Hollywood comedy, Comedy Boulevard, and the Badger would be your top three. Fourth, I'd say Fourth Wall. Uh, let's throw Fourth Wall in there, guys. We're gonna put uh, all the links in the description below. If you want to try comedy, guys, L.A. is the best place to do it, not New York City. It's definitely L.A. So we're going to wrap it up there. Paul says oh, he's done comedy in New York City. You probably I have not. I've been there. I have been no idea what it's like. <laughs> I have a feeling they would not like my style of comedy in New York. I've been told I have a very L.A. style. That is not true. I, dude, you have, you have a 100% unique style. That's right. Listen to my uh, – I don't have any clips. I don't have anything for you to listen to. So – uh, come see me at a show. 
There's the Mike Rowe joke. Is that okay? So that's an example of a joke that that's like one of the first jokes I wrote. I don't even. That's like not even my style really anymore. Kind of is. Uh, that that one's actually more wordy than you usually do. You're you're a very rare mix between performance and written, but your writing is so. I would say you're like the Biggie Smalls of writing in the comedy, where your your comedic rhymes come in places that people won't notice but they'll come appreciate once you're through your set if that makes any sense like you have to like you gotta stick around for the whole time because you're going to put things in places where no one sees it you're all about misdirection and uh, you you make it fun during the time to get there too uh, so dude, I always appreciate your comedy and dude, just your personality makes all of us laugh. Oh, thank you. So I mean, like, when I see you on the the docket for the thing, I'm like, yeah, at least Sam's here, oh, yeah. and like, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh, and like, I don't know, like, I I've gone up and I remember the first time I saw you was at the Hollywood Comedy, and my, maybe it was the second time, and I it was my first time I really just bombed. Like, just bombed <laughs> bad, man. It was so bad. It was, like, traumatizing. I'm like, I hate everyone here. I hate myself even more. And I want to die. <laughs> like, like, I just remember I went up. Everyone everyone bombed except for Justin uh, that night. Justin, Justin Close. He's yeah. one of the first guys I met doing comedy. He's a yeah. great guy, too. Yeah. Really, but, uh, really good guy. Yeah, he's a really good guy. I, dude, you can just tell when people are good people. And he's one of those guys. Yeah, most of the people I've met doing stand-up have been really good people. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of my favorite things about stand-up. It's like a very diverse group of thinkers, and it's true. It's real diversity that you're getting in, like, yeah. in these comedy scenes. It's not this uh, Hollywood diversity where they're just ticking boxes. You go to an open mic, and you see diverse people. You see diverse people who think very differently, people who look very differently, people who act very differently, all getting along, all laughing together. It's actually, like, pretty... It's real diversity that's happening there, and it's really cool. Um, it's not... Got to check it out, guys. It's not what you're going to see in, like, online. There's not that much... Uh, it's not as divided as you think it is out there. People are actually pretty reasonable. People are out there having a good time. People don't really Most give a shit. Most comics support comedy in general. Like, Most people support yeah. comedy in general. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, don't let don't let the news fuck with you guys. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like... I, I've seen some of the dirtiest jokes ever. I mean, they, they'll bomb because there's, like, no humor in them. And it's just, like, people go up and say say shitty things. But no one's going up and just trying to attack you. Yeah. I, I would love to be attacked. I'm trying to set up to be attacked on stage. No one's attacking you. It's, it's all about making yeah. money. The people writing those yeah. articles about Dave Chappelle getting canceled are just trying to get their... Stack racks, just yeah, like Dave Chappelle. It's he's, just he's a king. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's just everyone not so, wants a shot at the king. Yeah. yeah, I just don't see that. I see it happening online all the time. I rarely, if ever, have seen it in real life. Yeah. People actually get along pretty well out there. So for sure, guys. And with that being said, we're gonna end there for this episode. Thank you, Sam. It was wonderful shooting this with you, guys. Sam will be shortly back on here. Don't worry, he is going to be a regular here at the Paul Jacoba Podcast. Goodbye. Bye! <laughs>